I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? It's your boy Ambition and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. And today I have with me a very amazing guest, very unique guest. And I say amazing and unique because she has taken the time to merge the principles of feng shui with marketing. Am I correct there? Yes. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, I have with me today, Miss Patsy Balaki. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. You said it perfectly. Okay. So we were just talking before we got started and uh, you just left the feng shui consultation, right? Yes. Okay. So what excites your clients about your feng shui consultations? What, what's the benefit that they receive? I love this question. One I think it comes ultimately whenever we're doing energy work, whenever anyone is ready to commit to something monumental to shift in their lives. It's a very intimate space and it's a very sacred time to allow that to happen. So whenever I receive a a call for somebody wanting to get to know me, somebody that referred me, I always like to have at least a 30 minute conversation with them to Mm -hmm. see where they are in their lives to see if if feng shui is a good fit for them because there are different schools different methods of feng shui but the one that i practice is a lot more i would say works with the intangible forces more than anything else gotcha and works with the energy system of the individual so we're looking at the energy centers of the individual those little computers that we have that you know best known as the chakras so whenever somebody's looking to reassess their lives and to create some momentum for shift in their lives mm-hmm. we got to look at both scenarios we have to look at the interior and the exterior environment mm. so when somebody calls me for that i feel like they're really really digging deep there's certain certain things that in their environment that are not serving them any longer and they're looking for ways to improve that so whenever i get that call it's very for me it's an honor more than anything because we're tapping into something really really intimate and special for them whatever crisis they may be going through maybe you know different shifts sometimes it's usually with illnesses or a breakup in the family Mm. something very very lives you know so we have to look at that personal space the right. intimate space with that, that person that is allowing some way to clear, shift, and energize again their lives. Man, that's so amazing. And I, I was just listening to you and thinking, wow, this is such a brilliant nuance science and nuance art because it merges two things that we know impact each other, right? We know that the way that our physical environment is, um, you know, presents itself to us, affects the way that we feel, right? People know this all the time. We constantly make this comparison when it comes to depression and anxiety, right? If my desk is cluttered, I get start getting anxious. So for, for the people out there who really want to understand how your particular school of thought with feng shui um, approaches that, what would you tell them? So how, how does your school of thought when it comes to feng shui 
approach changing those uh, energy centers, as you mentioned? Yeah. The simplest way to explain this would be looking at the space as, or treating the space as acupuncture for the home. Mm. So anything that's triggering there, anything that you have in your environment that is no longer serving you, examples, like you said, clutter is a big one here. It's certain things that we attract, certain things that we collect, certain things that we, we do unconsciously most of the time, but then there comes a point where it's like, okay, this is, this is causing me some kind of pain, right? And mm. I, I saw one of your quotes in one of your emails where it says, you know, how would you treat pain, right? There are different ways to treat pain, different ways to, you know, if you want to suffer, that's optional, but right. how do we treat that particular? It doesn't have to be painful, but you do have to go through a process of healing. Mm. The way that I would say when somebody is calling about a shift in their space, we have to look at what is it that you that the house is mirroring you, mirroring for you. Mm. Everything in your surroundings is something that you have attracted. In one way or another, consciously or subconsciously, you have attracted any everything in your life. So it's a matter of how we shift our energy. How do we navigate through the changes of energy, like how it enters into our space in order to make that work for us or impede a, a lacking process? Wow. You know, what's really interesting yeah. to me... So I love the fact that you, you said that because what's really interesting to me is um, whenever I have a guest that has a skill or a, a skill set in a more spiritual arena or a more emotional arena where they address any sort of trauma or well-being, one of the things that constantly comes up is this idea of denial, the lies that we're telling ourselves, Right. So, you know, I think to how many people come home and, you know, the kids are have the house messy and you're like, oh, these kids have messed up my house. And it's like, well, you raise the kids and you own the house. You're the CEO of that environment. Um, what advice do you have for people who are entrepreneurs? They, they want to just get out there and go after it. But maybe they're in that space where they're still lying to themselves and they think that the external things are affecting them and not vice versa. Great question. I always say that if you need any changes to happen swifter in your life, it's to look at your bedroom first. Mm. What is happening there? For example, are you sleeping well? Uh, is your environment supporting a you know, relationship? If you're in a kind of relationship, is it cluttered? Is it full of things that you don't need? For example, a TV. A lot of people love, you know, having a TV in their, in their bedroom. But to me, since we are just bombarded with so much going on, especially a lot of people having to work from home since COVID, right. it's like we're in a constant state of bombardation of, of distractions. Right. But to me, the bedroom correlates to health. In feng shui, the bedroom correlates to health, specifically the bed. Because if anything, right, whenever you're tired, whenever you're going through some kind of healing process, if you're um, in day to day, you make love there too, right? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> but you have to look at this space as a nurturing environment for you. Right. 
And then you have to look if you're with, um, if you have residents in your space, your children specifically, I would say, if somebody has children, to look at their spaces as well. One, mm -hmm. they seek refuge there, right, from their environment. Most of the time, right, these days, they're actually even doing school there. You know, they actually, my son was in his bedroom for practically all day because he was, he felt better doing his school during the virtual lockdown um, and sorry, the COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. And uh, for pretty much the whole school year, he was there. So not only did he use that place to rest, but he also had to have an environment that suited for him to be more focused in school, but it was not, it was not ideal. I got to tell you from experience, I wouldn't really recommend that, but you have to do what you have to do. And for our experience in measure in a way that he was, he had to really deal with um, having a space where he can communicate with his friends, even if it was through Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I was totally understanding about that to kind of give him a little bit of privacy in his way, you know, that to him, giving him a bedroom where he can express himself freely in a way that was still, you know, um, being protected. That was pretty in, interesting to see but wow. for anybody out there any you know entrepreneurs or business people that really would like to see how to balance life I would say to bring a more harmony harmony means because it's actually a rhythm right it's how to live in your environment in your life with a rhythm there are periods where you need to be energized there are periods where you need to be more in a reflective mode or you know, nurturing or resting. So you have to make your space mm -hmm. suitable for to support every aspect of your day to day. So right. you have to basically create spaces where one will be very nurturing and energizing, like the kitchen and the dining room, and another one nurturing, but more in a restful state, like this, like your bedroom. The office to me should be a place that is vibrant full of light mm. um not too many not too many things are going to distract you especially clutter the place should have really um good lighting really wonderful chair to sit on you have to really feel in command of your life wow. face the you know face your door that's usually a sign that you are ready for anything that's coming at you welcoming new opportunities in your life and being present being present in your life mm. I, I love all of everything that you just said, right? And it made me think of my own bedroom, right? Uh, last year, I kind of, I don't know what happened, right? Like I just got a while here up my butt and I needed to get rid of my bed, right? So my bed, it, it was one of the traditional high up beds. And I was like, this is taking up so much space. So I got rid of it. I went out, I bought a rug, I threw it down. And then I just bought the uh, Shiku Bhutan. I didn't buy, buy the um, Tatami um, mats, but I just bought the Shiku Bhutan. And I've been sleeping on that for the past year and it feels amazing. So I, I really kind of started, well, as you were speaking, I was like, yeah, this makes a whole lot of sense. And I was really excited to go through that phase. So much so I did the same thing for my kids, right? And make them sleep on the floor too. Um, but I've started realizing the difference when the house seems to be set up for your advantage, 
right? Um, yes. And that was a huge transition for myself going from, you know, working in an office where the office is set up by someone else and usually it is what it is to, oh, I can completely control everything in this environment. And then once you understand that you do have that control, understanding, oh, don't, don't clutter it. Don't. So I just kind of space. I was like, oh, since I can control it, let's make it empty. I want to fill the space. <laughs> oh. Or at least make it spacious, right? Because we also don't want it, quote unquote, empty. Mm. We want it to feel spacious. We want it to feel alive. Gotcha. It's okay for things to be empty, so to speak. But at the same time, see where your attention goes, mm. right? It does a blank wall make you feel okay if that's the case then fine but if a blank wall is just boring to you then add something that your energy especially in the workspace it will be something elevating travel landscapes of nature things that want to make you wander larger perspectives and dream higher mm, okay so I would imagine that merging feng shui with uh, marketing, there's probably a huge focus on uh, spacing of or use of white space on websites, uh, as well as just the attention to the visual aesthetic. Is that the case, or is it more of the 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 energy or the spirit behind the the actual marketing asset i love this question too it's it's a combination of both mm. for me my my i would say what brings me lots of joy what really makes my heart sing like i will call it the house special what's the house special here at patsy's at zanotica mm -hmm. it's brand identity mm. for me brand identity is key because not only do you want to bring a persona like now we're our old brands right anybody who's doing anything out there even even a mom working you know even just a mom who doesn't have a job at home, we all have our brand right so how do we identify ourselves so when it comes to business how does this identity project who you want to who you are how do you want to be seen how do you want to be recognized when we come and develop something a whole branding strategy it's all about what you're doing from the beginning. Like for me, it's very important. I'm a plant-based slash vegan, I would say. So mm -hmm. my resources, when it comes to providing third-party sources like printing and all that, I will go and try to get something that has been recycled, like recycled paper for business cards. And, you know, my hosting providers are wind power energy companies. So for me, it starts from the things that you don't even see what's important to me. Whenever I'm visiting a client's office or home, you know, what I'm bringing with me, for example, to do space clearing, I work a lot with aromatherapy, as you know, mm. Adora is a wonderful alchemist. Right. And um, so I've been introduced to aromatherapy for, you know, since I met her beyond before that. So to me, one of my tools is a space clearing spray. So what does this mean? This space clearing spray for me comes from organic resources. It's or it's a biodynamic type. 
So everything that's in there is organic and it's safe to use. Why? Because I'm going to be smelling it. And the people around me, my clients are going to be smelling it. I need to make sure that everything is top quality, that everything is sustainable, or at least I try to make it so as, as best as I can to my the best of my abilities and capabilities. But that's something that we always need to look at. It's like, where, who are you working with? Who are your resources? And yeah. also, what are you projecting with that as well? Mm. So that's very important to me. I, I love that. Right. So we're going to get a little bit controversial here. Right. What do you say to the clients that come to you and they're they're still in the denial space? Right. But they think that your services are going to be the quick fix for them. Right. They aren't going to have to do any of the actual work. They're just going to have to move some things around. Right. They're going to have to go to you. They're going to have to go to adora and get some beautiful sense and that's going to solve anything everything for them what what do you tell those clients i gotta tell you i don't really attract that kind of clientele and the reason for that is because like i told you i like to have a 30-minute conversation with the prospect mm. and that would tells me if this person is really ready to do the work because i'm the type of practitioner specialist that i can be there side by side with you i can guide you i can teach you it can support you 100 step the ways but i'm not gonna tie your shoes i'm not gonna you know i'll show you how to tie your shoes but you have to tie them yourself and I really like your question because it's, it's very interesting. The, the clients that show success are the ones that committed to the process. It's not a quick fix. Mm-hmm. It's a, it takes a while, right? You have to really make a lot of accommodations, adjustments into your home, adjustments into the way that you are living your life, right? The emotionality aspect, the psycho-spiritual, uh, even the physical as well. So it's a process. So something like that may take, you know, maybe three months, depending on how committed the person is. But one thing I got to tell you, the person that is committed feels a shift like that. Like something triggers them. Once I'm there one-on-one working with the particular person, we also do when most of the time, 99% of the time, I'm allowed to do a space clearing blessing. And to me, that's the winning ticket because it's getting rid of all the negative draws that they've been accumulating for, you know, ever. Mm -hmm. And then we start getting the place ready for new beginnings, transitions and shifts. Man, I, I, I love your answer to that question because I, I literally was on the phone last night with a client and I was explaining to that client why I'm no longer doing one-on-ones. And that is my reasoning, right? Um, you know, me being a marketer as well, if you need my advice or you need strategy from me, it's going to be stemming around things that you need to do with your business. Most people don't actually have the time to do those things or the skills to do those things. So what I've started offering is professional service hours. And when I break down those professional service hours, I say, no, it does not include a one-on-one. They go, oh, well, you know, we could do the one-on-one. 
was like, yeah, but you're hiring me so I can do one-on-ones with your website so I can get your revenue up, right? We don't need to chat about all your life's problems. That's your therapist. You're paying the wrong person for those things, right? So yeah. I love the fact that you you had those 30-minute conversations. And this is also for all of the people who are looking to be great clients out there. And you should be looking to be a great client because you're going to get great work if you're a great client. Um, listen to what Patsy said. Those who are committed, right? Those who are committed, the switch is immediate, right? The, the, the switch that you feel and the results that you get when you're committed it, it just makes sense, right? It all adds up. But when you're lukewarm and I don't know, I'm calling this coach because they're going to help me make a million in my business, but I don't really want to do the work. So I'm going to get them to do it for me. Nine times out of 10, those clients do not have enough money to pay you to do the work. And then the other one person who does have the money to do the work, they're not stressing about it. They're like, hey, man, can you uh, take care of this for me? So that's what I've learned. And I'm glad that you gave such a direct answer. Um, that being said, who are your favorite type of clients to work with? Is, is, do you love the clients who, you know, they come in and maybe they have a ton of notes, right? Like saying, I'm having this problem, that problem, or uh, someone a little bit more, for example, like myself, if I would, whenever I hire a professional to do something, I go, Hey man, dealer's choice. You're the expert. I'm just going to shut up in color. Right. If I'm not asked for input, I don't give input. Um, what would be your preference with clients? Well, I would say for somebody that's coming straight for feng shui, there's no preference about that, mm -hmm. but I do like to work with children. So families are probably my preferred type of clientele when I work with a particular an adult, let's say most of the time is a woman seeking help for, you know, harmonizing their environment, their home. Mm -hmm. And when their children involved, I, it really, it really makes me feel good doing that work to see because they also get, although in some ways or another, most of the time in the consultations, children are not there though. But when they start seeing changes in their lives, they're not so stressed, they're sleeping better. That to me are my winnings. Um, when I see that, when the client is telling me how, how them with that. When it comes to a client who is, um, looking for branding, branding strategy, um, a whole marketing scheme. The one that's my preferred client is the one that knows their vision, but they mm -hmm. just cannot materialize it. They have a vision. They have a way of how they want to present themselves or the logo. They, right. they see certain elements, components with that. For me, my happy center is when I bring it into material form for them mm. nice but that person has to have that vision if somebody comes to me and wishy-washy they have absolutely no clue where they want to go and we go through different rounds of revisions and they still don't know then there is an issue inside them that is still not clear mm. so until you get past that clarity point then we can get into something because there's probably a lot of things that you need to reevaluate 
Is yeah. this the direction that you want to go into? Right. And that's a different type of clientele. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be doing business coaching for that. I'm not a business coach. Right. I'm a, I'm, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a brand strategist. Totally different. <laughs> right. And I will send them to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, even if you send them to me, I'm going to send them to courses. <laughs> that that That's one of the ones that are... <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, uh, a ton of my clients are a little upset with me right now over that one, but my stance is pretty simple. Um, I, I, my skill set is really technical, right? When we talk about SEO and those sort of things. Um, so if you don't understand what you're asking me for, then you probably don't need it. You probably just heard what SEO is, but you're not sure how it's going to work within your strategy. Um, then the second part is, if I can answer your questions with a recording, we don't need to have the one-on-one. Um, but then also I, I spoke about this a little uh, yesterday with my uh, guest from yesterday as well is I spent some time as a hypnotherapist and I'm a bit burned out from one-on-ones and emotional baggage. So I'm, I'm good on it for a while. <laughs> yeah. For now, whenever you're doing any kind of work, I recommend, you know, doing a lot of healthy boundary stuff, like really mm. setting your space, your inner space to know like there are, you know, different methods that you do that where you, you don't have, you can just reflect everything back. Mm. You don't take anything in. So that's an issue that a lot of service providers, especially people who are dealing that kind of work, right? Psycho spiritual work. Right. It's, um, it can be it can be um, a burden sometimes if, if if we don't know how to manage our own energy. So, what advice do you have for those out there who are still doing the psycho spiritual work? Right. Sometimes it doesn't come in hypnotherapy. You might be a mindset coach, right, and you're still doing uh, a very similar work. So, how how do you best advise that they set up their boundaries so that they can have that space and have uh, a healthy relationship with their clients where they can continue to love yeah. their clients. One thing to look at is how, how clear are you with your own energy, mm. right? If you have, if you are having a bad situation at home or personal stuff and you have your, you are attracting that kind of client too, because you need to learn the lesson. So mm. how are you going to navigate? You have to come into a space before, because you have to also honor the time that you're having with your client that's coming in for support or service right you have to have that talk with yourself you have to really put yourself in a space where you're just connected to source mm -hmm. and forget about your issues and then you know really practice one of the most practical things right now people are into crystals you can wear a crystal you can wear a black tourmaline or a selenite to kind of impede this um, like EMFs, for example, to me, though, that's my deterrent. My thing is like EMFs. I could get headaches very quickly if I'm surrounded by a lot of electricity and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I really have to be mindful of that and just set an intention that that particular experience, whatever it is that coming at you is not going to affect you. Like you have to make that contract with yourself. And measure that, right? Like whenever you see something coming at you that you're not feeling comfortable, take a pause, you know, take a pause, breathe in 
and really just kind of puff it out. Oh, there it goes. Puff, 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 you know, sort of speak. After that, after the session is over, I highly recommend you take a salt bath. Maybe if you're not able to do it during the day, take it at night. You cannot go to bed mm-hmm. with all that energy with you. So really mm-hmm. do it, a salt bath, eucalyptus, lemon, lavender oils. That is really a good way to dissipate and really transmute anything that's lingering in your energy field. I, I love the fact that you brought up all of those different methods because that, that does point to a problem that I think a lot of entrepreneurs have, right? I hear a lot of people say, you know, well, you know, I, I would like to just focus on the money aspect. I would love to just focus on clients, but I have all of these things going on in my life right now, right? Um, you know, I have family members whenever they try to start their businesses. It's, you know, I'm a baker, I'm doing culinary, but the people in the house, right? Like my family, they don't value my work. They don't value what I do. So for those people who have a lot of personal issues invading their business space, and it's starting to become an issue, it's starting to mess with your money and really hurt your ability to gain clients. What advice do you have for those people? Wow. I'm thinking about this one. I think it comes to how worthy you feel of yourself. Mm. Do you really enjoy being a baker? Do you really see yourself, for example, this that you mentioned, the baker? How do you, do you, does that really make you sing, right? Do you do, do you envelop yourself in that? But if the family environment is not supporting you, I will say the first thing to do is to have open communication. Mm. Because if you don't have that open communication with the people you, you are in close contact with, especially the ones that live in your home, then there, there's an issue right there. Mm. Why is it that you are not feeling fully supported or have a place that you can express yourself freely. Mm. So it comes from inside. You have to look at that inside. So communication is key. You have to be honest, honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. And if the people around you do love you, they will understand. They may not understand right away, but at least you've spoken your truth. Mm. And that's important. It's very important. I, I love that. I, 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 I love the idea of speaking your truths because uh, I'm frequently told that I'm the person who tells people truths that they don't want to hear. <laughs> so, But it comes from a place of, of, being, of giving good criticism, not that you're going to put somebody down, right? There's right. different ways to, to say it. You know, there are different ways if you have to give advice. One, like you said, if the person's asking for advice, sure, I give it to you. So if I'm asking for advice, I like, I like positive feedback. And if something's not working out, mm-hmm. let me know. But let me know in a, in a, with a tone, first of all, <laughs> tone that is compassionate. Mm. Don't start pointing fingers. Don't start pointing you, 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 you. That doesn't work. You're being, you're acting like a victim right there. You're doing this, you, you, you. Mm. Start with I. I feel, I see, 
things like that. Like make it about you and be compassionate when you speak. Be compassionate. How would you like to, how would you like for somebody to communicate with you? Especially in a place where you have to make some changes in your life or you're um, wanting to do a new project. For instance, this baker, right? Let's use the analogy of the baker. What, you know, what is it that this person wants to do with that? Is it right. just a passion project or is it really something important and like really singing for them that they can see themselves doing something beautiful in the world? But those things need to be pointed out and they need to be communicated. I love that. I love that because it, it, it really is the, the first stepping point, right? Like the first step in any business, any project, any goal is clarity on what that business project or goal is right so i i love the fact that you brought that up um so now let's jump into zenatica i love the name by the way right um how did you come up with the name is it zen or zen exotic or how, how did you come up with the name you got it you okay. got it you got it for me honestly i'm living in el salvador we had a lot of Japanese influence through cartoons, anime. They also came to support the country and build a lot of beautiful parks around the city. And, you know, they had their names, Saburo Irao, like very Japanese. And so for me, it was influential, I would say, the Japanese culture at a very young age. And of course, with my spiritual studies and feng shui, my type of feng shui is also um, tantric Tibetan Buddhist. So Japan to me, it's always been like the place I always wanted to go to. Nice. So Zen comes from there, right? Feeling Zen, feeling peaceful and enlightened. And of course, exotic, because exotic is such a sexy word. It's unique. It's got flair. It's part of my, I would say, kind of my personality sometimes. And But I wanted something something that will have both of them. And then I just said, well, what about Zanatica? And that was it. I love that. And that's how it came about. And the color at the time was red. And at the time I chose the red circle because I was doing a lot of deep rooted work with my personal life, Mm. wanting to build strong foundations in my business and myself because they're kind of tied in anyway. And um, the red scene, and also there's um, a little bit of my background. I, I eradicated hep C and, you know, that's a bloodborne disease. Mm. So to me, that also had a lot of connotation and symbolic uh, meaning for me when it came to like really building strong foundations. So red was a very strong color for me, but then I went from red all the way to the alchemist, to the highest alchemist color, which is gold. And mm. this was just in a six-year period, I would say. Actually more, because Anatica was um, actually won an award, a logo design award. And this is when it wasn't even a business. I had just put it out there and nice. I, it was a good omen, I would say. <laughs> and I'm glad that you you put it out there, right? It's, it's such an awesome like story that, you started with these the influences of you know the Japanese culture while you were in El Salvador 
Uh, I did hear you mention anime. I'm a huge anime guy. <laughs> like, I still watch anime. Do you like anime? Do you watch anime? Yeah, a little bit. Not as much as I would like to. It's changed quite a bit from my time in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But both of my sons love anime. And they come together. They're 18 years apart. And anime brings them together. <laughs> the Anime is the great equalizer, right? I, I often tell people uh, I don't watch TV shows. I only watch anime because I, number one, I feel like it does have a positive influence. There's always a main character going after a goal, um, yeah. at least with the newer shonen animes. Because uh, if you're thinking 70s, I'm thinking um, Fist of Northstar. <laughs> right. So maybe. I think back then there, there's still some really good animes from the seventies. So yeah. yeah, but, but right now they're more, more emotional. There's a lot of more emotional base and psychological twists yes. that I, that I like singing. Okay. So what's your favorite anime out right now? You have to tell me in the names and then I'll say yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, One Piece. Yep. That's what my sons are watching. I love One Piece. Um, Demon Slayer. Yep. My, I think one of them is watching that. The um, younger one. There's one that's really interesting. If you do get a chance to look at This isn't an anime uh, podcast, but for all of my anime lovers out there, feel free to tap in with me, message me. But um, um, there's one that's re- super interesting, right? It's functioning. It functions off of what they call curse energy, and every human having the ability to generate curse energy. It's called the uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm. That, it's a really it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting, right? Cool. Um, I'm gonna have to ask my my son. That you'll love it. You'll love it. Um, but that's enough of the anime for right now. Um, so Zenatica, when you first started Zenatica, was it uh, was the plan originally to merge Feng Shui and marketing, or what was the original uh, inception of the business? Zenatica was going to be what is now Etsy, to be honest with you. Wow. And what happened at the time? I came up with this idea of Zanatica in 2006. A year later, I got pregnant. Mm. And I decided to devote my time to my pregnancy and my motherhood phase, I would say. So for three years, I really didn't do anything with it. And then when I moved from Miami to Houston in 2014, my, my environment really ignited this thing. It was like, oh my God, I can really play with feng shui now, right? Like everything is brand new. What am I going to do with this space? Right. We built a house from scratch and all these things. And I'm like, I really want to do this. And I really want to do it for me. Mm. And um, I decided to do my certification in feng shui at the time. And I went to New York to obtain that with my mentor, Andy. And that's how it took a turn. But what I want to tell you also is what really brought me to make Zanatica what it is now. I couldn't let go. I couldn't just 
do one thing. I love branding. I love to design. I love to illustrate. But this part of feng shui is like a part of my lifestyle. So if I'm having a uh, conversation to come up in one way or another, it's just a part of the process. It's like, where are they in their lives to create newness or new opportunities, right? So it's it becomes a part of them because it's a STEM. You know, your business is a part of you. It's not completely you, but there's passion behind it. There's a drive, right, for it. You strive, you know, you're thriving into, you know, for that or achieving or wanting to do that, accomplish that. So for me, I couldn't really separate the two. And at one point I was struggling. I was struggling to see how am I going to make these two combos together because not all clients are seeking feng shui because it's too much work. Like we were talking earlier today. It's um, too much commitment, too much personal commitment. You don't really want to dive into those things. And so we have to separate the psycho-spiritual aspect of feng shui with the branding identity. But the person that who's committed to doing both is really nice because we create a really nice space in their office at home most of the time nowadays where they can actually see themselves mm. and feel inspired to, to create a really outstanding business. I, 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 but yes, I, it's taking many forms. I, I love the fact that you did merge them. I, I'm pretty sure I said that already because it's just such a unique offering. Right. You like as soon as uh, Adora sent me your uh, website, I looked at it or I she told me your name. I looked you up and I saw I was like, this is interesting as all hell. Right. And it's one of those things where what people have to understand is. It's something that you come across. And whenever I, I. have this belief whenever you say your price your price just has to be what your price is right who's the competition you know like right um so that's why i love right and i I just love the idea that you just said you know what i'm gonna go for this right it's something that you want to do and that you weren't going to just leave one thing to pick up the other right so I, I love that. I will feel out of my element. That's one thing I have to, if somebody needs, if I see something, I, I sense things just mm-hmm. intuitively. And if I see a client that's struggling with something, of course, I'm going to, you know, if they're open to some advice or different ways to look at a particular situation, I'm very happy and honored to do that work with them as well. Mm. All right. My clientele is not large, you know, it's, um, I would say it's more of a niche type of service, but I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'm actually talking to you as a marketer that, you know, how, what is one thing that I've been called that I'm not ambitious, ambitious in the sense that I could be making tons of money with this specialty work that I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but I don't see it that way. One, because I'm so involved with my work, you know, I'm very detail oriented, everything. And that takes time and that takes effort. So to me, it's very specialized, the work that I do. It's not a lot, but it's very special. So if I see see myself growing, Mm -hmm. I will have to mentor a couple of people to do this kind of work because it's, and it's going to take time. 
I love the fact that that's the direction that growth comes for you. It's really scalability and duplication of your efforts. Um, and I say that because a lot of people think that, oh, well, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get all these clients. I'm going to take care of them by myself. And it's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. If it's just you, you're going to have around five to 10 clients, right? And if you have 10, you're going to be like, man, all of these children, right? Like you're going to, it's going to feel the same way as uh, teachers do in school, right? And teachers love their students, but they go, oh man, it's a lot of work. But in a school, there's 400 students and there's 40, 50 teachers, right? And that's what people need to understand. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, As well as because your your stuff is so specialty, I don't I don't view you as lacking ambition as all at all, right? Um, I'd like to think I'm the authority on ambition. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, I don't think that you're lacking ambition. I think that you have a business with a deep history, with a very well thought out concept, and I, I at some point if you haven't already had it, there's going to be celebrities reaching out to you, paying you, you know, hundreds of thousands to do their, their rooms, millions to do their rooms. And at that point, that's where the, oh, you're not as ambitious. That conversation goes the hell out the window, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's, there's two ways that I believe like true, genuine effort works. You can do something simple for a lot of people, or you can do something extremely complex for one person. And that's going to stand the test of time. So I I love the fact that you are detail oriented and meticulous with what you do. And I like what you said there. My work does stand the test of time. There's, there's, there are logos, identities out there that haven't changed in 20 years. Wow. Because they're that solid. Like Coca-Cola, for instance, you see Pepsi, they're changing all the time and they still can't get it. No offense, Pepsi, but <laughs> it doesn't come from me, but it's, um, um, you can see that there's something really magnetic about the Coca-Cola mm. logo. Like it just stands the test of time. And that to me is really remarkable, really fascinating because even that color red is very specific. So there's a lot of really uh, um, symbolic stuff that goes there. Even, you know, your, your mind doesn't know, but that it's figured out, but it's special. Mm. Your mind knows, your eye knows when something is spot on. For me, for me, that's what I think that's where my skill is. I can Mm. tell when something is out of balance. I like that. And I, I need people listening to understand like the, these are genuine skills, especially from where they're inspired from. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm reminded of is martial arts. Right. And a lot of martial artists, this is exactly what we do. Right. So before a fight even starts, you may look at someone's fighting sense and go, oh, he's off there. This is a weak area. And I love the fact that you apply that to 
something that's healthy because the closest thing that I could relate it to is punching someone in the face. I'm sorry. <laughs> or um, your pillow. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So at this point in the podcast, this is where we do story for a story. And I know you're going to have an amazing story for us. So it could be any story that you feel comfortable in telling it could be a wild and crazy story. It could be, um, no more reserved story, uh, if you'd like, but all that I ask is that there's a lesson at the end or a laugh, a lesson or a laugh. Okay. I like this. So let's go down in memory lane. Let's go down to the time where I was maybe five years old. And for me, connection to nature was like what my friend Herman says, my equilibrium. So for me, there was a lot of, a lot of discomfort, a lot of different, uh, my parents were going through, uh, arguing a lot, eventually they divorced, but to me, my happy center was when I was feeling, when I was surrounded by nature. So luckily we had a big house, a beautiful yard, lots of trees everywhere. So that was my refuge. And that's where I used to go and build my, my forts in my cities I started bringing Legos to there I used to just have a whole different reality I was creating my own reality doing things that I enjoyed right so always in a way bringing balance bringing order the order I couldn't find in my real life I was I was bringing it into playful you know whenever I was in that environment for myself that I was creating for myself but what I want to say with that the story behind this is you got to listen to yourself. Like, for instance, I was able to tap into something more special because I was surrounded by nature. I found the wind. I allowed myself to explore serenity, tranquility, and a space of nothingness. Mm. So that to me, I acquired by myself because nobody taught me this. And at the time I kept bringing that up and it actually became a part of me whatever you've been dealing with since you were a little kid you know your your childhood experiences build you for one way or another whether positive or negative but for me I took that time to really to really dig deep into places that I just felt really comforted in nature and in quietude which brought this whole different perspective about looking at life and really I started diving into like the, the things that I love to do and illustrate I like to draw and everything is flowers and trees and mountains with snow where did the mountains with snow come from I have no idea but I was drawing these all the time when I was a kid I have you know notebooks here and there with this with this pattern of mountain range that almost looks like from Himalayas, you know, or something like that. But it was that space where you kind of just have to go back to those times where you felt like you were a part of something bigger. Like I felt like I was part of something bigger, a part of the air, a part of the space. I don't know how to explain that. But I think what I want to say with this and I don't know if it's going to end up in a laughter or anything, but perhaps with a smile and an inner smile that I would say dedicate some time to your personal space, but don't keep it empty like you had said earlier. Give it 
make it feel spacious, elevating. Place yourself now, especially we spend so much time in seclusion, right? And, and being alone. It's how to, how to apply the time that you spend by yourself in a more positive way and cultivate things that you enjoy doing. Like for me, my things that I like to do and I don't really have time for is sitting down and drawing. I paint and I paint fast and it really brings me a smile. I don't paint for people. I just do it for myself and my, my house is my museum, basically my personal museum, but it's something that I do for myself. And I, every time that I pick up this brush or a pencil, I always go back to that place in time when I was a kid by myself because I felt, I felt really good. I felt confident or protected. I have no idea. I just felt like myself. I don't know how to, else to explain that, but I've been the most honest and to myself, full of integrity in that space. And it's simple but I feel very strong about that. Man, I, I love that. And you're right, it did bring a smile. It, it was more inspirational. I, I love that. Okay, I, I'll give you a story. Okay, this story is about how I integrated my creative side into my life, right? Um, uh, for anybody who's creative, you know that you've probably heard a million times over. You're not going to make money off of that or you need to do something practical, right? Like everybody who has a, an ounce of creativity has heard that bullshit. But I'm, you know, from the time I was young, I was a pretty creative kid, right? Like I started drawing when I was in fourth grade uh, and my mom so encouraging. She's like, your older brother draws extremely well. It runs in the family. So she's excited. Um, and I just kept working at it. I started drawing Dragon Ball Z characters, right? Like that's all I would draw was Dragon Ball Z characters. And as I got older, I started drawing portraits and uh, figure drawing when I got to middle school, that sort of thing, um, as well as what's called printing. So we took like a logo and yeah. yep. So it did, did all that. So I really loved to draw and now I'm graduating middle school, but as much as I love to draw, it, it's the difference between it being a hobby and you collecting all of your stuff or drawing and just letting everything go. I let everything go. Like people took my artwork, it ended up somewhere and I don't know, but, it, and I always felt like, it doesn't matter because this is how I'm expressing my value, right? Um, truth be told, I didn't have a lot of confidence as a kid. So I used to draw and the fact that I could constantly create something that was beautiful or that was a exact replica of something I saw, it was my way of tangibly understanding my own value, right? So continued to draw and now I'm trying to apply for high schools and trying to get into art school but I don't have the art portfolio so I said all right well no I'm also good at poetry and I'm also good at singing and all this other stuff right like so why don't I go to this music and theater school um that was really cool I got to get into acting and all of these different things but again 
looming over my head is I'm a creative person, but what do I do with all of this, right? If I look at the people who have gone to art schools, they, they've, the way that, you know, art schools kind of break it down and having to do portfolios, I was like, that, that doesn't seem fun. It seems like this would ruin this awesome relationship that I have with art and colors and expression, right? So I didn't do anything with my art in high school, um, whether I was drawing, right? There's a beautiful picture of Rihanna that somebody stole, right? Like looked exactly like her and everything. I was like, I'm so upset. Like this should be in my house right now. Um, Someone took that. And even in school, going to music and theater, I got to participate in theater, right? It was Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. Uh, He talks a lot, by the way, if anybody's wondering. (laughs) So now it's time to figure out what I'm going to do next after high school. And wouldn't you know, I said, I'm going to join the military. I'm going to join the Marine Corps, right? Wow. And I joined the Marine Corps. And I think the last picture that I drew before I joined the Marine Corps was this uh, picture of Gambit, the uh, X-Men. And there was so many years in between that where I'm like, I'm 18 now, so I need to make money. So I wasn't drawing and I I, I didn't want to lose the skill. So I remember there was something nice that I wanted to do for my girlfriend, decided to write her a poem and then draw her portrait at the bottom. And all throughout my life, it was cybersecurity. So that's all numbers, no creativity needed there. Uh, military, so no creativity needed there. Um, when I got married and now I'm home with you know my wife and kids, there's work there, no, no real creativity needed there. And eventually I kind of reached a spot where I started to feel like, why am I doing anything? Right. I assume I had built up this reservoir of confidence and it finally ran out and it ran out while I was in Okinawa, Japan. Right. Um, I was overseas and I had a piss poor attitude. Right. When I say piss poor, piss poor. Right. Uh, those in the military, we call it the, uh, the back on the block. That's what they used to you know, like. Oh, you think you're back on the block. Right. For those of you who can, uh, insinuate and assume you know what that means so you know I'm getting in trouble I'm getting in fights I got in a you know got in one fight where I knocked this dude out and then they I almost got kicked out and I didn't want to get kicked out the military this this meant the world to me like this was the first time that I was able to stand on my own two feet so I met this guy and he was doing spoken word right and he split spit this piece and it was just so impactful. I was like, that, I'm going to do that. So I started working on my piece and I was just in my room, repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And I talked to him. He gave me some advice uh, and he just started rocking with me. Every time he had a show, he would take me. I would get on stage. I would do my thing. And it was cool. People loved my stuff. They loved his stuff. Amazing. But that time where I saw him, right? And I said, I can do that. And then I got on stage and I I did that. That was when life started to make sense. I wasn't upset anymore, right? And I realized that 
in order for me myself to just kind of be a balanced person, I needed to always integrate my creativity. I needed to make sure that whatever I do, I integrated my creativity. Um, so that's how we end up with things like my workout book, having a sketch of someone's muscles or wow. uh, even with my business now, I view web design as a creative uh, endeavor, right? Or even how I plan and how I strategize my business or speaking, right? Spoken word taught me that speaking is creativity, right? And all the way down into this podcast, when people go, oh, well, how's your creativity uh, integrated into the podcast? Well, you can just go ahead and take a look at it, but that is our story for the story time, right? And that's why we have story yes. for the story because entrepreneurs are creative people and we need to integrate that so that we can be happy about the work we do and not these money earning assholes, right? Mm. So that's what I would call it, right? So for those listening, make sure you integrate your creativity and I will continue to integrate my creativity and hopefully we can be creative together. Well, you got to see it this way. We are creative beings. Mm. So we are constantly creating. So mm. every day you're creating something. I love so it. do something. And even when you get dressed, right? That's your persona. How are you identifying yourself? How are you going to do your hair this morning? Right? The, the I mean, if you look it. at it that way, it's always like that. And it just stems. But yes, listen, I think where we're heading with this, mm -hmm. it's like you never forget those places where that brings you um, a creative, like ignites a creative spark. Right. So that to me is, is that like when I pick up a pencil or a brush, I don't do it as frequently as I would like to. But when I do that and I allow that, I feel like a little kid again. Right. And, and it's just, it's my better. Like the I feel possibilities so have opened and life makes sense. So yes. I'm a hundred percent with and you. I'm a happy, I'm a happier person. I'm smiling. My husband is happy that I'm smiling. You know what I mean? It's just makes things feel better. Your life is more harmonious because you, we can't forget those creative traits that we have, your talents, whatever it is. Right. I 100% agree. So now in the spirit of bringing it to a strong close, is there what is the one thing that you would leave our listeners with that you think if they focus on this one thing, they will be able to see at least a glimmer of success, right? And they'll be able to multiply that. What's the one thing that they should focus on? Self-compassion and self-love. Mm -hmm. But the energy of this year is all about new beginnings. So I want to talk about that because the Lunar New Year comes up in February, February 1st. And the frequency of this year is all about love, relationships, unity, community. And of course, when you talk about love, if anything, if you want anything to happen in your life, you have to start with the use first serve mm. and love and take care of yourself first right but so what do i want to leave people behind in your audience is allowing the time to 
create a sanctuary for yourself in your life, mm. in your mind, in your heart, in your exterior space, to really put yourself in command of your life, to be loved by yourself, like really go in there and say, you know, what is it that I need today? What is it that I can give myself today to feel and breathe better, to feel better and to breathe better, to breathe easy. I always say breathe easy. You know, if you think about it, we breathe. And we're, if we're stressed out, we forget to breathe. <laughs> right. I would say just breathe, just breathe easy. Breathe easy, my friend. Love it. I love it. And for those of you listening, go be great.